We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. minutes a day 365 days a year this is the pack a day podcast what's going on packer fans welcome back to the pack a day podcast i'm your host andy herman you can follow me on twitter at andy herman nfl thank you so much for joining me today we are inching ever so close to the start of training camp. The Hall of Fame game is right around the corner. Packers preseason, the regular season, it is all just so close. But we've spent the entirety of this offseason breaking down and analyzing literally everything that's happened from Rodgers deciding to return to Green Bay to the Devontae trade, the draft, the free agent signings, all of it to try and determine are the Green Bay Packers going to be a contender in 2022 and can they ultimately bring a Super Bowl trophy back to Green Bay? Well, in an exercise today that I thought would be really fun to try to help and determine that, I thought it would be fun to see just exactly how this 2022 roster compares to the 2010 Packers, which was of course the last time the Packers brought that Lombardi trophy back to Green Bay. So we are going to be running through position by position. Then we'll also take a look at it uh, in a different angle at the end of sort of the star power on both of those teams to see just how similar or dissimilar these two teams are. And if the 2022 Packers stack up favorably against the uh, the 2010 team that last brought the trophy home. So we'll go position by position. Let's start, of course, with quarterback, which I think is the toughest one to break down because the 2020 or the 2010 team, excuse me, had Aaron Rodgers, Matt Flynn, and Graham Harrell. The 2022 version has Aaron Rodgers, Jordan Love, and Danny Etling. Now, let's just be clear here, right? We could debate the Matt Flynn and Graham Harrell versus Jordan Love or Danny Etling all we wanted. The, the bigger point here is that that grouping doesn't ultimately matter too much. I think you probably say that, you know, Jordan Love has the, the much better like upside here. And, you know, maybe Matt Flynn was a little bit more polished. Like whatever you want to argue, those don't matter. If either Aaron Rodgers gets beaten up in 2010 or 2022, and any of those four quarterbacks have to play for any period of time, you are probably not going to end up you know, too well in, in your season. So the, the debate here is 2010 Aaron Rodgers versus 2022 Aaron Rodgers. And that is a very fun debate. I tend to hedge 2010 Aaron Rodgers just a little bit here, but man, 
you've got the athleticism of Rodgers in 2010. I think you have a little bit of a stronger arm. Uh, I think, you know, his, I'm not saying his drive is like worse today, but like his drive in 2010 to like get to that Super Bowl, be the champion. Like there was just something special about that season and about how he was playing. But man, 2022 Aaron Rodgers, back-to-back MVPs. He's playing still on top of his game. And his IQ as a quarterback, his his ability to read defenses and take advantage of different matchups is on a totally different level from what it was in 2010. I think the athleticism and the arm strength uh, maybe puts the 2010 version just a little bit ahead. But man, 2022 Aaron Rodgers is just you know, a step ahead when it comes to the mental side of the game. So I'm going to label this one as a push. If you want to argue 2010, if you want to argue the current version, I am happy to hear either of those arguments. And I think you could legitimately make a case for either, but I'm going to label this group as a push. You ultimately have Aaron Rodgers as your quarterback in either scenario. So you're in pretty good hands, Uh, but I'm going to label this one as a push. Let's jump to running back. And in 2010, you had Ryan Grant who went down with an injury during that season. And then you had James Starks who came in very late in the season coming back from an injury. You had Brandon Jackson, John Kuhn, the fullback actually played a decent amount of running back in that season. And then you remember your good friend, Dimitri Nance as well. Uh, so Grant, Starks, Jackson, Kuhn, and Dimitri Nance were sort of the main running backs from that season. Right now for your Packers, you've got Aaron Jones, AJ Dillon, Kylan Hill, Patrick Taylor. Of course, I'm not going to go over everyone on the current roster. You know the majority of the names. We're going to go over the main pieces. But I I have to give the nod easily here to 2022. I mean, if you had either Aaron Jones or AJ Dillon uh, on that team in 2010, of course, understanding that Ryan Grant eventually got hurt, uh, which really sort of crippled their running back depth. But uh, the depth that Green Bay has here, I just think is much, much better. I, I, I would make an argument that this version of Kylan Hill, if he's back healthy, um, you know, may have been even a better option than what James Starks was in that rookie season. Yeah, I will take Patrick Taylor as a running back over John Kuhn. Brandon Jackson was a little bit underrated and especially his ability to blitz pick up and do some of those sort of things, but a very, very clear advantage in my opinion here for Jones, Dylan Hill uh, over Grant Starks and Jackson and sort of John Kuhn, Dimitri Nance, etc. So I'm taking the current version of the Green Bay Packers over the 2010 version when it comes to running backs. Fullbacks. One of my favorite things about the 2010 Packers is that they kept three fullbacks on the roster to start the season. They kept John Kuhn, Corey Hall, and Quinn Johnson. Three fullbacks. Can you even imagine if uh, the 2022 version of the Packers all of a sudden decided they wanted to keep three fullbacks? It would be pure anarchy. Uh, Instead, they really don't have any fullbacks. I will put Dominique Daphne sort of in this role because when they do use sort of an H-back fullback, he's kind of the go-to person in that scenario. You could say like, DeGuar is more of an H-back too, but he doesn't play that fullback role quite as well as Daphne does. So I'm going to say Daphne here, but clearly this is a major advantage to the 2010 Packers, uh, just even having John Kuhn. But they had three options at fullback. The, the current Packers don't really have any. So advantage 2010 when it came to fullbacks. And then of course, we need to discuss wide receiver. So 2010, an okay group. Greg Jennings, Donald Driver, Jordy Nelson, James Jones, and then our best friend Brett Swain as well. Uh, That's a pretty good group. Now, 
The 2022 version, not quite the same. Some interesting depth pieces, but of course, Lazard, Cobb, Watkins, Watson, Dubs, Rogers, Toure. We don't know what Watson or Dobbs or Toure, maybe even an Amari Rogers, what he's going to become. We don't know what Sammy Watkins is going to look like in this offense. Uh, we don't know what Alan Lazard looks like as a potential number one option. So there's a lot of unanswered questions about this 2022 group, but there is next to zero chance that they have any opportunity to succeed what the 2010 version had with Jennings, Driver, Nelson, and Jones, at least this year. So a major ridiculous win for the 2010 Packers when it comes to the overall wide receiver position, the top end player in Greg Jennings, the depth of just all of it, right? Massive, massive advantage to the 2010 Packers. All right, how about tight end? This is another interesting one to discuss because in 2010, they had your Michael Finley, but he goes down what maybe like a third of the way into the season. Uh, then they have Andrew Corliss who played okay, Tom Crabtree, Donald Lee who was kind of towards the end of his career there. They also had Spencer Havner who ended up injured. You remember the linebacker, uh, tight end extraordinaire. In 2022, you've got Robert Tunyon, but he's coming back from injury. You've got Mercedes Lewis, DeGuara, Tyler Davis. I like some of the pieces here, but if we sort of break this down, like, I mean, just even the idea of Jermichael Finley, and I know he got hurt, but we're sort of looking at these rosters, like some of the 2022 Packers are going to get hurt eventually too, right? We just don't know who they are. So if we're looking holistically at that 2010 team, like clearly Jermichael Finley, the best of any of the tight ends on this list, and so much so that you have to pick the 2010 group. I mean, I would put Mercedes Lewis as the better blocker than anyone that they had in 2010, but then you start kind of, you know, mixing things up a little bit. I think Tyler Davis and Andrew Corliss, I'm going to go with Corliss. Like, I don't know, DeGuara Crabtree, it's just not enough to overcome uh, the advantage that the 2010 team would have with Jermichael Finley over Robert Tunyon, in my opinion. So I'm going 2010. If you wanted to make the argument of like, well, they didn't have Finley's and you do eventually have Tunyon, then you would say, yeah, the 2022 version is probably better. But um, if you're including Finley in there, to me, it is easy 2010. But to be fair, Finley did not play in the Super Bowl. So if you want to take that under consideration, I can certainly understand that. And maybe you lean 2022 then. But if we're doing this the way that I have been looking at the roster holistically throughout the entirety of the season, um, I'm going to have to say the 2010 version with Jermichael Finley. The offensive line, like just listen to the offensive linemen, like overall at tackle, both in 2010 and 2022. Names on this list include Chad Clifton, Mark Tauscher, Brian Bulaga, TJ Lang, David Bakhtiari, Elton Jenkins. Like those are some freaking names. So the 2010 version had Clifton, Tauscher, Bulaga, Lang, and Marshall Newhouse. I mean, man, talk about insane freaking depth. 2022, Bakhtiari, I'm going to say Elton Jenkins is a right tackle when he's back. Yash Nijman, Cole Van Lannan, Rashid Walker, etc. This is an interesting conversation as well. Tauscher also went down injured in that season. So Bulaga played uh, at, at right tackle, Clifton at left tackle. You might be thinking Andy TJ Lang was a guard. If you remember, this was his very early in his career. He was a guard tackle, actually played, like kind of started as a tackle, eventually moved inside to guard and found his home there. This isn't like the uh, the really good version of TJ Lang that eventually came. Um, this was still like the feeling out version of TJ Lang, which wasn't quite as good, but still is number four, not too bad there. And then again, Marshall Newhouse, you might be like, yeah, Marshall Newhouse wasn't that good, but like dude had like a decade long career in the NFL. Like he was still playing like a couple seasons ago. So uh, that is a really deep tackle position. This is also clouded by the fact that Bakhtiari is coming back from injury. Elton Jenkins is coming back from injury. If you just asked me, like, all right, what's the better duo at tackle? 
like Clifton and Tauscher or Clifton and Bulaga or Bakhtiari and Jenkins. Like I'm going Bakhtiari Jenkins. But if you look at this again as a whole, the fact that Bakhtiari and Jenkins are coming back from injury, I think just clouds that enough. I think the fact that you've got Clifton and Tauscher on that starting group, and then even when Tauscher went down, you still had Brian Bulaga. I mean, that Bulaga over Yash Nijman as the number three is crazy. And then they still have TJ Lang, which is the better developmental prospect of anyone than, you know, Cole Van Lannan or Rashid Walker, even having Marshall Newhouse on that list. So I have to go 2010 here as well with Clifton, Tauscher, Bulaga. I'll say it one more time. If, if everyone's healthy, and the the you know the better starting group in my opinion is is Bakhtiari and Jenkins, but the depth and the health questions of the 2022 team to me hedge this in 2010's favor. But some really freaking good offensive tackles on both group groups. Excuse me. All right, offensive guard. Uh, we've got Darren College at left guard, Josh Sitton at right guard. You had Jason Spitz and Nick McDonald backing up. The 2022 Packers, John Runyon Jr., Royce Newman, Sean Ryan, Zach Tom, etc. Once again, I'm gonna have to go 2010 here. So I, I would put John, you know, John Runyon Jr., Darren College. I, I would probably give a slight nod there to John Runyon Jr., but that's probably closer. But then, man, Sitton is just so much better than Newman, Ryan, Tom at this point uh, that that goes into 2010's favor. Jason Spitz probably a similar sort of backup at this point in their careers to either you know probably more of like a Royce Newman type player, right? Like that's probably. Uh, a similar comp. Maybe you give a slight nod to Royce Newman there, and then you would take Ryan or Tom over Nick McDonald. But uh, I'm going to have to go 2010 because of Sitton. He's the best player in that bunch. And I just think the the duo right now of College or Sitton, Sitton is better than any guard duo, unless you move Jenkins inside. And then that goes to 2022 pretty easily. Uh, but then 2010 tackle wins much easier in that competition. But either way, I'm going 2010 here for guard as well. Centers in 2010, Scott Wells and Evan Dietrich Smith. Uh, EDS, by the way, also had a uh, crazy long career. Uh, he went to the Buccaneers after he, he played a while in the league. So uh, he had a pretty solid career in the NFL. Uh, whereas the pack, current Packers, Josh Myers and Jake Hansen, listen, I, I have uh, high expectations for Josh Myers, but I think Scott Wells at that point in his career was just a more established player and, and a better center than Myers. If you want to go Myers there, I wouldn't argue it too much. I think Myers ultimately becomes the better player. Um, and then I think EDS and Jake Hansen are, are probably mirror images of each other at this point. I would probably give a slight nod to EDS at this point over Hansen as well too, where, where they were in their careers. But uh, I will lean slightly to 2010 here, but I think that could be a push. You could maybe slightly put it in 2022 if Josh Myers takes a step, but I'm going Wells and EDS slightly over Myers and Jake Hansen. So to recap on offense, we had a push at quarterback. I gave 2022, uh, the running backs to 2022. And then everything else went to 2010, fullback, wide receiver, tight end, tackle, guard, and center. So offense leaning in the 2010 direction. Let's see what the defense brings. Starting with the defensive line, 2010, Ryan Pickett, Cullen Jenkins, BJ Raji, Howard Green, CJ Wilson, Jarius Wynn. They also had Justin Harrell and Mike Neal, who ended up on IR that season. So they had, they had some really good depth there. And I mean, the starting three of Pickett, Jenkins, and Raji was really, really good. I like the depth of this 2022 team and what happens and, and how good Devontae Wyatt can be and how quickly he can be good is really interesting. I think you can make an argument that Clark is the best of this group, but let's just say like, I don't know what, Clark is better than Raji in my opinion, 
but then Jenkins has a big step on Lowry. Pickett has a big step on Jerron Reed. Then you have, I think, better depth. Like I would take Slayton over Howard Green. I'd take Devontae Wyatt well over CJ Wilson or Jarius Wynn. Uh, but, you know, they also had Harold and Neal at that point, who you had like first and second round pick that you had high expectations of. Um, you know, Harold, I think, was starting to become a bust at that point, but um, not that different than, you know, the expectations that we have right now for Devontae Wyatt. I just got to go 2010 here. The the trio of Pickett, Jenkins, and Raji, and Raji and Jenkins, all three of them were just such good complimentary players. Um, Ryan Pickett was just a stalwart on the defensive line. Raji was, you know, not only a good run, you know, run defender at that point, that was like some of his best football. Of course, he's got the the pick six in the playoff series. Like, and then Cullen Jenkins was just such a great pass rusher from the inside. They complemented each other so well. So I really like the depth of the 2022 team. But I, again, just the, the trio of Pickett, Jenkins, and Raji is putting it over the edge to me for 2010. All right, let's go edge rusher. Clay Matthews on the outside had a phenomenal season in 2010. You had Brady Papinga, who ultimately got hurt, and then Frank Zombo, Eric Walden, and Dyrell Briggs. There are very few times that there's a name that doesn't even like ring a bell even a little. I have zero recollection of Dyrell Briggs, who he was. Like I, That name just does absolutely nothing. So if anyone remembers Dyrell Briggs from 2010, I don't know, maybe, I went, maybe the website I was on was wrong or something, but I do not remember Dyrell Briggs as a part of the 2010 team, even deep on that roster. But Clay, Papinga, Zombo, Walden, and Briggs, and Papinga went out uh, early in that, or at, at some point in the season, I don't remember if it was early or middle, but it ultimately in the Super Bowl was Matthews and Zombo and Walden primarily playing that position. Position. Meanwhile, you've got Rashawn Gary, Preston Smith, Randy Ramsley, Inigbare, Tipa, etc. Listen, the, the depth is a wash, right? The Zombos, Waldens, Briggs versus the Ramseys, Inigbares, Tipas. You, you give the edge to Zombo and Walden there. I think they were better players, but overall, it's nothing to write home about. You know, Clay Matthews, Rashawn Gary, you have to go Clay Matthews because of what he was doing in 2010. He was a phenomenal player. I don't think we ultimately, like, I arguably don't think we talk enough about what Clay Matthews did early in his career as a member of the Green Bay Packers. It's almost like he gets forgotten way too easily, but I, I would still go Matthews over Gary there. Uh, but the big thing here is just Preston Smith over Papinga or Zombo or Walden. The gap there is pretty immense. And Preston Smith is just way ahead of anyone else than that the 2010 team had. Um, so I would go Rashawn and Preston over Clay and any of those other guys, just really based on the difference between Preston and a Papinga or a Zombo, etc. So I'm going 2022, although I do think Clay Matthews was the best of that group. Uh, let's jump inside linebacker. These are fun groups to discuss as well. You had Nick Barnett, who got hurt on that season as well. A lot of injuries that season. AJ Hawk, Desmond Bishop, Brandon Schiller, who also got hurt. Brad Jones, who also got hurt. Rob Francois and Matt Wilhelm. 2022, Devondre Campbell, Quay Walker, Chris Barnes, Ty Summers, McDuffie, and Wilborn. This is an interesting one because, all right, Barnett versus Campbell, I would take Campbell. Quay versus Hawk, like we just don't know quite enough about Quay yet. So I would have to say AJ Hawk, I think, at that point, although it, it could go Walker. It's just, we don't know enough. Definitely Bishop over Barnes. I think Chiller over Summers, Brad Jones over McDuffie, and then the rest doesn't matter all that much. But if you, again, this is another one where if you want to argue Campbell, Quay, and Barnes over Barnett, Hawk, and Bishop, you know, Chiller didn't play a ton that year, and he's still your number four. Like, how much do you really need your number four inside linebacker? 
I could make an argument for Campbell, Quay, and Barnes, but I would say 2010 for me. Again, this is t- not taking into consideration the fact that Barnett and Schiller were out for a, especially the the key stretch of that season. So if you're just matching up Campbell, Walker, and Barnes versus Hawk and Bishop, then we're going 2022 pretty easily. But because uh, the 2010 team were taking all things into consideration, I just think the overall depth of having Barnett, Hawk, Bishop, and Schiller is just a little bit better. I think Campbell, again, right there, you can make an argument, might be the best of them. Um, Quay Walker, we don't know yet. So I'm going 2010, but it's a really, really close one. This could go push. You could make an argument 2022, but I'm making a slight argument for 2010 in this scenario. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. And then my favorite one that we're going to discuss today, the one that I put the poll out over on Twitter, I said, this is a test. 2010, Charles Woodson, Tremont Williams, Sam Shields, Pat Lee, Jarrett Bush, Brandon Underwood, and Josh Gordy versus the current version, Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, Razul Douglas, Keyshawn Nixon, SJC, Rico Gafford, KB Nento, et cetera, right? So that's your group. So very similar groups in the fact that you are very top three heavy, right? After your top three, a bunch of question marks. Pat Lee didn't really uh, amount to anything, nor did Underwood, nor did Gordy. Jared Bush made the big pick in the Super Bowl and was a really nice special teams player, but you, you really didn't want to see Jared Bush on the field as a corner more often than not. 
except when he made the huge play in the Super Bowl, which was amazing. Uh, and then same with this group, right? We just don't know about Keyshawn Nixon yet, SJC, Rico Gafford, Ento, et cetera. Just not a ton to write home about that we can feel confident in at this point. So this is top three versus top three. Charles Woodson, Tremont Williams, and Sam Shields versus Jair Alexander, Eric Stokes, and Razul Douglas. And to me, this is an absolute no-brainer. I love Jair Stokes and Douglas. Should be argue might even be the best corner group in the NFL this season. In fact, many are arguing that. We've seen some of the rankings so far for the cornerback groups, and the Packers corner group is coming in at number one in a lot of those rankings. It is not close to me. The 2010 version is was an insane, insane trio. And yes, Sam Shields was a rookie and it took him a little bit of time to get his sea legs and sort of learn the position throughout the season. By the end of that season, he was a good corner. But even as like the number three good corner, Tremont Williams does not get the credit that he does. I He was a board, for me, in my opinion, he was a borderline shutdown corner that season. He was phenomenal on the outside. And then Charles Woodson, just transcended space and time with what he was able to do as a nickel corner that season. I've talked about this on numerous occasions, but what he was able to do in that Dom Capers defense was completely make that defense a, a like like he was almost like positionless where like it was an amoeba defense because you could make that defense into anything you wanted at any given time because of Charles Woodson, meaning that if they came out in a pass-heavy formation, Charles Woodson was your nickel corner and he could cover anyone, right? If it was a like a smaller formation that they ran the football, what you basically had was Clay Matthews as one outside linebacker and Charles Woodson as the other outside linebacker. And basically like Frank Zombo almost became like a down lineman. And then you had Bishop and Hawk as your inside linebackers. So what started off as like you know, like a, a three, four layer, like a, excuse me, like a nickel defense, right? Where you had like Raji and Jenkins on the inside. And then you had uh, your Zombo and Matthews as your outside and, and Hawk and Bishop in the middle with, with uh, Woodson as your nickel corner. You had a pure nickel, right? Now, all of a sudden you had Jenkins and Raji and now like Zombo was almost like your third down lineman. And then Woodson and Matthews were your outside linebackers, Bishop and Hawk, your inside linebackers. And now you went from a nickel defense to a 3-4 with Woodson actually having the ability to hold up as an outside linebacker, set the edge in the run game. He could come off as a blitzer. And oh, by the way, he was just an unbelievable playmaker, unbelievable cover corner. Like he, there's a reason he's in the hall of fame. He was, and that was his best, like, if not his best, he's like right there. Like he was unbelievable in that season. There's just like Ramsey for the Rams right now is the only player in in memory that could even come close to doing some of the things that Woodson could do in the slot where you could use them almost in that same similar situation. I love Jair to death. And if you had to ask me right now, all right, there's a random wide receiver out on the outside and it's fourth and 10 and they're going to throw at that wide receiver. I don't care if it's Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, whoever, just there's some really good wide receiver on the outside. And you ask me right now, do you want prime Charles Woodson or prime Jair Alexander covering that, that wide receiver? I would probably make an argument that I would want Jair Alexander just as a pure cover corner to be the one that's covering that, that wide receiver. But, but it's close and you could make an argument for Woodson and just everything else that Woodson did, 
was just better than almost anyone that has ever played corner in the history of the NFL. That's not a knock on Jair. That is just how good he was. Add in the fact that Tremont was then like almost like a shutdown corner that season. And that, that's just better than anything that Stokes or Douglas is going to put on the field. And you could make an argument that like, I think Stokes and, and Shields are are very similar um, in, in like what their upside and talent level was. I think Stokes could ultimately be better than Shields, but like at that point, um, I think it's close, probably a, a slight nudge, you know, to, to Stokes, but it's, it's close. Um, meanwhile, I, th- I just think Tremont is leap years ahead of Douglas. And I think Woodson is ahead of, of Jair just because of what he's capable of doing in the slot. So I, to me, this is 2010, no question about it. Uh, any, anything else is, is to me absurd, even though I love the current corner group, I think they can be the best corner group in the NFL. That 2010 group was just insanely special. All right, let's jump to safety really quick. Uh, Nick Collins, Morgan Burnett, Charlie Pepra, Atari Bigby, and Derek Martin. Uh, Burnett and Derek Martin both went out with injuries. So this ended up being Collins, Pepper, and Bigby. And Bigby was not like the uh, the Atari Bigby that eventually was like a starter. He wasn't there as a player yet. So this is a lot of Collins and Pepra. Burnett's injury really hurt that season. Meanwhile, you've got Amos, Savage, Davis, Vernon Scott, Tariq Carpenter, etc. Nick Collins was so good that season uh, that he is going to go ahead of Amos. If both were healthy, I would have taken that version of Morgan Burnett versus the current version of Darnell Savage. And then again, the rest is fairly irrelevant, but Charlie Pepper played fairly decent for having to be a fill-in that season and sort of being the weak spot um, kind of on that team in general. But I'm going 2010 there as well. Special teams really quick. I'm taking Tim Maste over Pat O'Donnell. I'm taking the 2010 version of Mason Crosby over the one that's coming off the worst season of his career. And I'm taking Brett Good, one of the really great longtime Packer long snappers over either Wordle or Coco as well. So we go over it like defense. We gave defensive line to 2010, edge to 2022, and then everything else, inside linebacker, corner safety to 2010, and then all three punter, kicker, long snapper to 2010 as well. Um, the what other way you could look at this is like, all right, what were like the truly special players on each of these teams, right? Well, in 2010, you had Aaron Rodgers, you had Clay Matthews, Charles Woodson, Nick Collins, and Tremont Williams. So I think, again, I think he had an, an amazing special season that year. I would also argue that Greg Jennings was close that year. He was phenomenal. I don't know that you could put him in like the upper echelon of wide receivers that season to be like, he was like this insane weapon, but what I would say is the overall weapons, the SI cover, right? Jennings, Driver, Nelson, Jones, Jermichael, Finley, that five together was an insane weapon in and of itself. So the overall weapons, Rogers, and then again, Collins, Woodson, Clay, to me, that was your special, special players. 2022 version, Aaron Rodgers, Jair Alexander, maybe Rashawn Gary gets to that point. He's not there yet, but he has the ability to get there. Maybe Bakhtiari bouncing back, but he's, again, we don't even know the status of him. You just lack the the overall, I think, high-end special players that 2010 had. I don't think 2022 quite has that. You can make some arguments for players that could maybe come close. Listen, Devondre Campbell's coming off a of first-team All-Pro. Um, you, you know, Obviously, like the, the Jones-Dylan duo could potentially be special. There's some things that you could maybe like piece together, but just not quite what the high, high-end player, uh, the players that 2010 had, just some really, really special players, Hall of Famers, etc. So the other thing I'll say right here is a, a couple things. A, 
we should note that the 2022 team is not done. The 2010 team added players throughout that season. Frank Zombo, Howard Green uh, were not on the team when the season kicked off. So uh, the 2022 version is not a finished version right now. Even going back to last season, right? At this time a season ago, Dennis Kelly, Razul Douglas were not even on the uh, 2021 Packers yet at that point. So uh, there's still time for Brian Gutekunst to build this team. It is not a finished product yet. So that gives a little bit of an advantage to that 2010 team. Um, And the other thing is that just because we gave the vast majority of these categories to 2010 doesn't necessarily mean that this can't be a Super Bowl contending team. There are players on this 2022 team that can and will likely step up and become better players throughout the course of the season. That happened a ton in 2010. They came through a lot of adversity, a lot of injuries, and a lot of those players that we talked about in 2010 developed before our eyes in 2010 to become the eventual Super Bowl champions that they were. If 2022 wants to get there, they're going to need that same similar growth from some of the younger players on this team. So overall, 2010 went to fullback, wide receiver, tight end, offensive tackle, guard, center, defensive line, inside linebacker, corner safety, punter, kicker, and long snapper. We did a push at quarterback in 2022, only went running back and outside linebacker slash edge rusher. So those were the only ones that went to 2022. Overall, I think it's going to be a really fun uh, exercise to look back at at the end of this season to see if anything changed. Hopefully, we are looking at two Super Bowl teams that we can you know, compare against each other. Uh, but as of right now, I am giving a very large nod to the 2010 team. That does it for me today. Thank you so much for joining me. I'll be right back here tomorrow with an all new episode on the YouTube version. And of course, uh, we will have a brand new audio version for you who are ever listening to this on the audio version of the podcast. So make sure to subscribe if you haven't already. But until next time, and as always, go Pack Go. time inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.